Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast. As always, the Sooners Extra Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken salads and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today, although you have to take it to go. <laughs> Uh, it's a, a different time in this world. I'm Ryan Aber here, joined by phone with uh, Abby Bitterman. And uh, Abby, what a strange, strange time we're in right now. It really is. I mean, we're even social distancing on the podcast, you know, doing it from our respective homes. Um, yeah, just the world is so much different now than it was uh, just like, I don't know eight or nine days ago nine days ago that feels like that feels I mean, like a lifetime yeah it, it feels like there's a pre-rudy gobert test and post-rudy gobert test is sort of the the eras that we're living in uh abby we got to start off talking about the big 12 basketball tournament mm-hmm. just because you were up there in kansas city uh, we're just what was that like to be in the center uh, of all of that, you go to a game on. Uh, I assume you went. To, you went to the OSU game. Yeah. Uh, there on Wednesday night, and then uh, you hear about Rudy Gobert's test, and all of a sudden you wake up on on Thursday morning, and the the tournament is not only uh, to be played without fans, which they had already announced, but it's going to be canceled completely, and then everything just started snowballing from there. Yeah, I mean, on. On Wednesday, we were still actually, so every every year, as I'm sure you know, Barry Trammell um, has a friend in Kansas City who takes him to see uh, some of the local, uh, I don't know, big things to see. So we had been seeing the Truman Library and things like that. And we were just about headed back to the hotel when we found out that um, the NCAA tournament was going to be played without fans. And so at that point, you kind of figure it's a matter of time before they say the same thing about the Big 12 tournament. And about 15 minutes before the Oklahoma State game started, they did. And so I was supposed to be writing a story about um, Austin Reeves uh, in advance of OU's game on Thursday night. Um, But instead, I shifted, obviously, to writing about how there wouldn't be fans, and I walked around and I talked to some OU and OSU fans, and a lot of them learned the news from me because, I mean, by the time I was talking to them, it was like maybe a little over half an hour old, and they had been at the game watching the Oklahoma State-Iowa State game, and so a lot of them learned from learned from me that uh, there wouldn't be fans the next day. Um and then, you know, I was sitting there listening to the Oklahoma State uh, post-game press conference when we all found out that the the news that looked fake on Twitter at first and then was real, that Rudy Gobert had tested positive, uh, you know, it was just, it was, and the NBA season was suspended. It was just shocking. And then you, and then 
you kind of wondered, well, what does that mean for literally every other sport? And the next day we got to the sprint center at about 1030. Um, when I walked by the court at 1039, the, the Texas and Texas tech players were warming up and then somebody tweeted that they'd been pulled off the court and I was in the media workroom and I like walked over to the court to see what was going on and everything was being packed up. And at that point, I think it was like the ACC and another tournament had already been canceled and you just knew we were all about to go home too. And a couple minutes later, Bob Bowlesby said exactly that. So it was it was honestly just surreal to watch it all happen in front of me. I mean, I was sitting in the front row for both of the press conferences that Bob Bowlesby gave and it was it was all, it was kind of unbelievable. I mean, you heard the words, but it it took a real minute at least for me for it to sink in and for me to like fully grasp what that meant and then I was packing up in my room when they when they uh canceled all the rest of the um, NCAA tournaments for this school year. So, I mean, it was just like people kept talking about how the news changed every hour and it, it moved so fast. You, you almost like couldn't stop to comprehend what had happened, you know, like one thing happened and then like 30 minutes later, another thing happened and 30 minutes later, it, something even bigger happened. I mean, it was, it was almost unbelievable the pace that things were moving at and things somehow still seem to be moving quickly. I mean, when I said that nine days ago, like it, it feels like it was like a month ago that all that happened, but it was last week. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's definitely been a, a crazy week, especially for those of us who, uh, well, it's been a crazy week for everybody. I'm not going to say especially for those of us who, who work in sports, but it's certainly been been weird for us just because we're so much about, well, what what's the next event going on? And uh, it, it consumes our, our days that when there's not a next event going on, you know, really except for some, you know, minor – well, not minor, but NFL uh, free agency news is about the only thing going on in sports unrelated to this. Uh, the world just sort of stops for a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we we cover it, obviously, so it, it stops for us in terms of, like, having things to cover. But, I mean, for a lot of players, it's it also stopped prematurely. And, I mean, you got to... I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll talk a lot more in depth about those but like my immediate thoughts especially when the the spring championships got canceled I just thought about all the players that are seniors and you know Christian Doolittle I mean he he was playing in the quarterfinals of the Big 12 tournament for the first time in his four-year season and he didn't even get to that was the furthest he'd ever made it and he didn't he didn't even get the chance to play in it. So just, and I mean, aside from sports, like you mentioned, I mean, kind of the ways that this has affected everyone's lives is a lot further reaching than I think anyone could have ever imagined. Like just over a week ago when all of this really started to ramp up. Yeah, no doubt. I think it was, uh, and, and we will talk about the ramifications of this thing on, on spring athletes and others. Uh, here in the next segment, but 
you know, you think about, I guess, a month, month and a half ago when uh, a group representing uh, college athletes said that the NCAA tournament should be played without fans. And I think at that point, that long ago, a lot of us thought, oh, that'll never happen. That's ridiculous. Um, You know, I think a lot of us thought that, yes, this thing would get to the United States in a major way, but that it would take longer than it has. But everything sort of snowballed rather quickly once, obviously, everything started happening in Washington with the cases uh, up there and the outbreak, uh, especially concentrated in the nursing home. And then we start getting these positive tests in, in the sports world. Uh, obviously a lot of them in the NBA, I think is, I think there's just one NHLer to this point that's tested positive. Then yesterday, and we're speaking on Friday, we heard about the New Orleans Saints coach, Sean Payton testing positive. I know we'll hear quite a bit more about those things. And I think, you know, people talk about, you know, why, why are we talking about those people who test positive in the sports world? You know, I think it's important for people to get connections to this thing. And a lot of us don't know anybody mm-hmm. who, who has the coronavirus or COVID-19 or has tested positive. But a lot of us know who Kevin Durant is and, and Sean Payton and, and Marcus Smart, obviously, and, and so many of the uh, the other NBA folks, uh, Donovan Mitchell and, and Rudy Gobert especially, that have tested positive to, to this thing. And uh, it, it's just one of those things that while you do wonder about the the testing and that these healthy people have been able to acquire the test when so many people haven't been able to get tested, but I do think it's positive to uh, for people to hear that uh, these people have tested positive, that it's out there, and that this thing is real. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with you. I think the questions about how they were all able to get tests are completely valid. But also, you're exactly right. Like, there are a lot of people who have conti- who continue to go out and kind of, you know, act like everything's normal and like we're still living in a normal time when we very much are not. And so I think that, you know, seeing how you know if it can happen to an nba player then it in or an in a athlete in any other sport then it can easily happen to you i think that seeing that hopefully makes it more real for people and i think that that's why you know in addition to knowing that these athletes are getting it you know seeing the numbers increase every day i think for me also makes it more real and hopefully i mean i don't want you know, more people to have it, but hopefully we can continue to truly see the extent of this as the tests become more available and we just see those numbers grow even more because I think that's that's the thing that makes it the most real is when you truly see how many people are being affected by this, not just the economic or the far-reaching implications of closing things down, but of actually, you know, contracting the coronavirus. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're going to take a break there. We're going to be back on the other side of the break to uh, talk more about the effects of uh, the coronavirus and COVID-19 
on the, the sports world, especially OU, OU sports. Uh, thank you so much for joining us once again. This is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zach. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Uh, Abby, we, we talked in the first segment about your experience at the, the Big 12 basketball tournament, but it, you, you touched on this right there at the end about the effects of this shutdown on the athletes, and, and certainly Christian Doolittle is, is one of the, the major ones. I think also uh, people obviously talk about Maggie Nichols a lot chasing uh, yet another all-around national championship. And uh, OU as a team was looking really, really strong here uh, entering the, the, the home stretch for them. And talk touch on the spring athletes in a little bit, but the, the uh, winter athletes are the ones that we're really wondering about right now because – Christian Doolittle was going to get a chance to, like you said, play in a, an area of the Big 12 tournament that he hadn't made it to, uh, was going to make the NCAA tournament. Maggie Nichols uh, and, and Jay Deguavea had uh, had really high expectations as well. And as of now, it looks like that their careers on the college level are over. Yeah, and um, uh, we, we on the beat uh, talked to Christian – uh, the other day and I talked to his dad too and you know Christian said he's taking it day by day but when I talked to his dad I mean it looked like you know if if the NCAA does decide to give them a year of eligibility back then they'll they'll take uh, they'll look at that you know when it happens but that's still very much up in the air and I mean I don't I don't really know how likely it is I think it's more likely that their college careers are just over, but, uh, but I, but Dwayne Doolittle did tell me that they're, um, you know, just looking at what is a certain option right now. And that's for Christian to go, uh, play professionally somewhere. So while, you know, things didn't end certainly the way that they wanted or hoped, uh, they're just looking for, uh, the next opportunity for Christian to see what that is. And if the NCAA does come back and decide that they can get another year of eligibility, then I guess they'll take that as it comes. But I mean, for right now, I, I would agree. I don't think it's a bad option to look at, to look at what is a certain possibility for next year and focus on that. Yeah. And that's uh, still going to be difficult just because, you know, even if they give, these athletes, the option of another year, some of them aren't going to take it because they're, they're moving on to uh, the NBA or other professional uh, sports as well. And then 
uh, KJ Kendler told me in gymnastics, it's really hard for them to take it just because it's really hard for them to take yet another year of uh, wear and tear on their bodies. Now, I think Maggie Nichols could be in a position where she could take it and they could work with her schedule to try to uh, optimize things at the end of the season uh, for, for her. It's easy for her because she was already planning on staying in Norman as a, a student assistant coach, volunteer assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure yet what uh, Jade Deglavea's plans are, but uh, it, it's not as simple on multiple levels, not just the, 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 the initial level of as giving them an extra year because it affects uh, you know the, the underclassmen who would be behind them, whoever would start, say, in Christian Doolittle's place next year whoever would back him up that might be uh, forced out of the rotation. So it's a a really uh, tough balancing act to play right now. Yeah. And then, I mean, to, to just go on to spring sports where it looks like from what the NCAA has said so far, they're still figuring out the details, but the last we heard, it looks like they do want to give that year of eligibility back for spring sport athletes. But then when we talk to Patty Gasso, just the seniors. Well, although I will say this, just just the seniors, although it looks like as long as other people would be able to redshirt based on the existing rules, then they would be able to, they would be allowed to. Yeah. Um, But uh, when we we talk to Patty Gasso, I mean, she had dozens of questions about how this would look i mean not necessarily for her program because she only has three seniors and two of them are pitchers but she she said if this was last year when i had six seniors and then i had eight people coming in how do you manage that how do you um do you get do we get more practice time do we get um, are there changes on roster limits? How do you afford that travel-wise, scholarship-wise? Just dozens of questions, which I think are really important and need to be answered. And I mean, again, not necessarily for OU softball because they kind of have a little bit of an easier position. Uh, they're in a bit of an easier position than other programs, but there are probably a lot of programs out there that are senior-heavy that – it'll be a lot more difficult for them, you know, figuring out what that looks like, especially because, I mean, um, Patty Gasso said that if, uh, you know, they are allowed to come back, all three of them, she expects all three of them to come back. And I'm sure that's true of a lot of uh, college softball players because the the road of professional softball um, isn't, isn't as fruitful as as one would hope it would be yeah you know baseball is even more complicated Mm -hmm. i i know not sure exactly what the scholarship rules are in in college softball uh since i i haven't covered that side of things but i know in baseball the uh the limits which i believe are 11.7 scholarships for uh, what is it 27 players those those scholarships can be divided over and the draft rules, uh, which uh, where juniors can be drafted, they don't have to declare or anything. They just can be drafted, and then they make their decision after the draft whether to sign or, or come back. That complicates things a lot. And I know talking to Skip Johnson, what he wanted to see is some kind of lift on the scholarship limits, but also 
to allow for more games in the fall. And, and right now, I think there there can only be a certain amount of scrimmage time. Uh, I know OU went to, to Arkansas and, and played an 18-inning, 17-18-inning scrimmage. Those kind of things are all that they can do. But he wanted to have a, a more extended fall season almost where they could play some games. And I know softball does something similar mm-hmm. to that. But it's going to be really interesting because you've got guys like Brandon Zaragoza, what, is, what does he do? He's a senior, will have the opportunity to come back, but at the same time, he might be a guy whose draft slot, uh, you know, sends him forward, but also whoever would be the starting shortstop next year. The, the effect sort of snowballs on down. But then you've got a guy like Kate Cavalli, who is almost sure to be a high enough draft pick to, to want to go as a junior who uh, is going to have uh, – not a really hard decision, but it's certainly going to take away some from what his career could have been and also what OU baseball could have been because they were off to a really, yeah. really good start. And it looked like their best team in about a decade. They were 14-4, and four, had the pitching and the, the, uh, the offense to make a run at this thing, and they were almost uh, to, to Big 12 play. They were supposed to play this week. They were supposed to play Arkansas. And, and today, as we're talking – they were supposed to get ready to open up Big 12 play against Texas at home. And uh, just as was OU softball. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, they were. So, I, I guess they were both going to play Texas at home this weekend. And Texas softball, I mean, is like OU, one of the top teams in the country this year. So there was, I guess, until it ended. But so that would have been. I mean, a heck of a series, and I'm sure the same is true for baseball. And baseball, like you said, I mean, they had won some really big games and already done some really great things in just about a little over a month that the season had had been in existence. Yeah, I think uh, for baseball, one of the, the points that Skip Johnson made was just he really thought that uh, fans were really getting ready to come out and support that team. And with OU baseball, it's always sort of slow to get going. But once once they sort of prove themselves as a team that can uh, can compete uh, at the near the top of the Big Twelve, fans will come out and watch. And and Skip Johnson felt like they were just about to that point that you know maybe if they they were able to to beat Arkansas at home this week. Uh, at Tuesday at Bricktown Ballpark and then have some success against Texas that that would get the ball rolling and, and more fans would come out to Eldale Mitchell and also uh, maybe some, some people would donate money to their, their ballpark renovation, which they're trying to, to get done uh, sort of alongside the, the softball, the new ballpark that they're trying to get built. So, um, you know, a really, really tough timing uh, for this thing is, there were some great series on the horizon for this weekend because uh, you mentioned Texas softball, what they had been this year. I think, were they number one when uh, when things ended or, or were they right there? Truly, I don't even remember anymore, but I know they had just beaten number one UCLA. So, honestly, so much has happened that I can't even remember, but there's a good chance. Yeah, I know that they were sort of uh, you thought that they were about to get elevated uh, to number one. Let's see. It looks like they prob- they weren't at the time, but they were probably going to be by the time that this series uh, kicked off. Yeah. Just doing, the, doing some quick looking. 
Texas baseball had gotten off to a really good start as well. They were 14 and three. So we were going to have a, a 14 and three Texas team and a, a 14 and four Oklahoma team, uh, obviously pending some of the results during the week, play each other to start Big 12 play. So OU Texas is always fun to watch, but certainly would have been, uh, would have been a lot of fun this weekend to see these series uh, go like they did. All right, we're going to take a break there and be back on the final segment of the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zaxby's with some actual OU football talk because there actually has been a little bit of news going on. We'll see you after the, the break. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Once again, I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with Abby Bitterman. And Abby, had a little bit of actual on-the-field football news uh, go on uh, late last week when Trey Sermon announced his de- decision to transfer. How surprising was that for you? Um, It was surprising on a lot of different levels. Um, the first was there was so much already going on. I was like, what? Like, why 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 this exact moment um but i was also just kind of surprised because um you know i mean obviously he had uh sat out a lot of the season with his injury um and so i guess i was just kind of surprised that uh he he made that decision you know while still in the process of recovery and with the spring just getting started um what about what about you ryan you know, I wasn't necessarily surprised that he decided to transfer. And I'll get into all that in a second. Uh, what I was surprised about was the timing of it. After him uh, being at uh, Pro Day on Wednesday, and then that news, I think it was Thursday, that it started coming out that he was going to transfer, that that part of it was a little uh, intriguing or, or different for me. But uh, not necessarily the fact that he was going to transfer because Yes, he battled a lot of injuries last year, but even when he was healthy, he wasn't getting a lot of carries. Uh, Kennedy Brooks and him were, were splitting those duties. Ramondre Stevenson obviously found his role there. And, and I think there was some level of frustration there over that, that even when he was healthy, he wasn't getting uh, you know what he felt like were the share of carries that, that he merited. So uh, that was a little bit interesting. Now That's true. I kind of... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I kind of always um, chalked that up to uh, there was a time when none of the running backs were getting a lot of carries because Jalen Hurts was doing it all. But I guess that, you know, that's a good point that I feel like that's something that would be frustrating anyway. So, yeah, that that actually does make a lot of sense. Yeah, and obviously OU's offense runs so much on those RPOs where uh, a lot of times, at least last year, it wound up being – Jalen Hurts getting a lot of those carries 
uh, in, in those situations. And I'm certainly not saying that he made the wrong reads on those. I mean, just the numbers, you know, sort of speak for themselves in that regard. But at the same time, I think it was uh, a little bit frustrating. Now, what this does, though, is put OU in a, in a tough position early in the season, assuming that Ramondre Stevenson does have to set out the first five games because you've got uh, Kennedy Brooks there. They feel really good about him, obviously, and what he can do. But behind that, things get a little bit dicey. They've got uh, T.J. Pledger, who we didn't see much of last year. I, I know that uh, Lincoln Riley always talks highly of him, but we haven't seen that production on the field. Marcus Major, sort of the same thing. Uh, seen production from him even less after he got hurt early last year and set out for the rest of the year as a, a true freshman, wound up redshirting. And then they've got uh, you know a freshman coming in. Obviously, they feel really good about Seth McGowan, but uh, you know how quickly is he able to step into that role? So those first five games next year, assuming Ramondre Stevenson's suspension is upheld and he winds up having to miss what would be through the Texas game, that could be big for the Sooners. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Ryan, what about what about the other football-related news that we got? Truly, I don't even know what day it was anymore. All my days run together. Um, <laughs> but was that Wednesday that we found out that the spring game isn't likely to be or well, won't be happening on April 18th anymore? Yeah, it, it, it was. And uh, that wasn't surprising to me mm-hmm. at all. I think oh, absolutely none of us not. expected that they would be able to have a spring game on April 18th. The question now becomes, can they have a spring game at all? I think the uh, my feelings and I think the feelings of a lot of people, both in and out of the athletic department, are that they're very unlikely to be able to have a spring game. And it's not just about when this thing ends and uh, when they can you know, potentially – start any kind of spring practice again although uh you know i think there's a chance that we'll hear from the big 12 on that at some point but it's also about the fact that they've only gone through one day of workouts in pads mm-hmm. or not not even in pads without pads so uh getting to the point where you can have any kind of spring game is still probably at least a couple weeks away after they would come back even if they had a uh, the spring game in the middle of their spring practice uh, schedule so all the logistics of putting that together, the uh, just the optics of having a, a gathering with that many people, even in the immediate aftermath of this thing, I think it becomes less and less likely that we have a, a true spring game this year. So uh, that's yet another thing that's been uh, uh, canceled due to uh, the coronavirus. Yeah, and I mean, and I think that it's, just from all the logistical aspects that you mentioned. And I mean, that was similar to what uh, Joe Castiglione said when he was talking to Barry on the radio. Um, I think that uh, just, you know, from all those aspects, not having it, like having the rest of the sports is probably a good call. And I mean, also, you know, how, how do you have a spring game when none of the other sports can even play and, the spring game is really just a practice, you know? Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Now here's a question that I was asked on the radio uh, today, Abby, and wanted to see what you thought. How does everything that's happened here in the spring affect the quarterback race for the Sooners? Well, that is a great question. 
Um, I think that, you know, there's a quarterback battle every fall. Um, I think that, I guess, us us outside the locker room, I think we have um, f- formed opinions on how it will end. But, I mean, I think that, you know, Spencer Rattler is still, uh, I guess he'll be a, a redshirt freshman next season. Um, and I, I would think maybe still has a little bit to prove. And I think that this probably just extends the quarterback battle, um, into, into fall camp, which I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't have been surprised if it extended there anyway. I mean, Lincoln Riley said that if there was a clear winner by the end of the spring, that he'd feel comfortable announcing that. But I think that, you know, most of the quarterback battles have come down until very close to um, the actual first game of the season. And so I think that that just might mean that once again, um, with this one, we don't hear who it is until closer to the date of an actual game. Yeah, I agree with you on that point that I, I think that this, the announcement gets pushed back, although I don't think Lincoln Riley was ever going to announce it you know, very much earlier than that for a lot of reasons. You know, I, I don't think there's any indication uh, outside of just the raw words that we've heard come out of Lincoln Riley's mouth that Tanner Mordecai seriously pushed Jalen Hurts uh, for this job last year or uh, the, that Austin Kendall seriously pushed Kyler Murray. Yeah, I mean, it, the results on the field speak to that, that uh, it, it wasn't as close as, as we were told. Now, and yet those announcements, I wanna, like I just said, weren't made until very close right. to... Now, I want to be clear there. I understand why Lincoln Riley does what he does because you have to keep that second quarterback invested both mentally and emotionally, but also physically. Keep him there uh, and, and not transfer because especially with the quarterback depth, what it is now and what it was you know, back uh, when, when Austin Kendall had to be pushed into service as a backup as a freshman – you have to keep those quarterback battles alive mm-hmm. uh, to, to keep those quarterbacks on campus because, you know, you can play two running backs, you can play four receivers, you can play all these things. You can't play two quarterbacks in any realistic kind of way. So uh, there's only one position there to, to we be We saw that at for. Alabama. Right. So, um, but my theory is, and, and I said this uh, earlier talking with uh, Pat Jones and, and Bill Haston from the Tulsa World and, and Eric G up on the, the sports animal in Tulsa. I think this stoppage, when you're talking about the quarterback battle in itself, benefits Spencer Rattler more because I think Tanner Mordecai had more to prove. Yeah, and maybe if he would have, you know, come out this spring and he looks really good and Spencer Rattler looked a little bit shaky, then you know maybe that quarterback battle does become real going into the fall. Now there's no doubt it's real. But I think the capital that Spencer Rattler's built up, and, and we've seen it on the field, mm-hmm. even in those brief glimpses, we saw you know, some of the special things that Spencer Rattler can bring. So I, I think Tanner Mordecai has more ground to close. Now, for the development of quarterbacks as a whole, clearly this stoppage is not beneficial. They needed Spencer Rattler to get those reps. reps. They needed you know, Tanner Mordecai to get those reps uh, during, during the spring help bring them at a point in the fall 
where they're close to being able to, to go out there and in game action. So in a weird way, I wonder, not that I still anticipate hearing who the starting quarterback is going to be before a couple weeks before the season, but I wonder if it makes it more likely that Lincoln Riley is forced to choose quicker because he's got to have that guy who gets 75% of the reps instead of 50%. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Is is there anyone else um, who you think is, uh, or who else do you think is is hurt by um, by the lack of a spring practice season? Oh, all the incoming freshmen obviously mm-hmm. are the, the ones who who get hurt the most. Those guys who spring is such a big uh, stepping stone for them to be ready. And I think school as much as anything else, and they don't really get to experience that beyond, uh, you know, whatever it was, two months of the uh, the spring semester. So, uh, you know, I, I think that they're losers in this thing. And I think another one is Trey Norwood, who was, was back being cleared. It was able to go during the spring. And, and I think that this would have been good for him to, one, prove where he was uh, in returning from that ACL injury he suffered before last year. But to figure out where OU coaches wanted to use him because he could play in pretty much every spot back there, and they're going to need a guy like him to contribute. But uh, with, without those reps and without that time seeing him, it gets really compressed, assuming there's no more spring football. Yeah. Oh, uh, another point, another sort of loser I'd add to this thing is recruiting because oh, yes. the recruiting calendar gets thrown into turmoil here. They've got this long dead period. You know, we'll see what happens there. I would anticipate the NCAA at some point making a change uh, to the recruiting calendar once we figure out in full what the ramifications of this thing are. But for, for now, it's sort of in a in a you know sit tight and wait mode, which is really difficult for for these coaches and also these uh, juniors and seniors who are entering a, a very critical recruiting time. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, even even though football doesn't get played till the fall, I mean, the the ramifications for what's going on right now extend into literally everything you can possibly think of. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, but we've got plenty of time to think about these things, to talk about these things, because as of now, the next uh, sporting event that we sort of have circled on our calendar that we, I'm not going to say no is going to happen because. Who knows what's going to happen over the next few months, but is in mid-July when uh, Big 12 football media days take place, and hopefully we'll be back to some sense of a, a normality by then. But uh, we're going to try to be back. I don't know if we'll be back hopefully once a week uh, to uh, to bring you some, some Sooners talk on the Sooners Extra podcast, but um, hopefully we'll be able to line up some guests and do some different things here during this break. We'll find uh, some stuff to talk about. We can certainly just talk about the uh, the movie bracket. Yes, vote in the, vote in the movie happy. bracket. Yeah, go go vote in that, please. Don't tell me and, about how uh, you're mad about the seatings. I tried my best. <laughs> yeah, all complaints for the seatings go to a bitter man at uh, oklahoman.com. That correct, Abby? That yes, that is correct. That I said that. Uh, yes, send all of your complaints about uh, me leaving off your favorite movie or me be, uh, me seating the teams wrong, even though 
I'm looking at the results so far and there aren't as many upsets as you'd think. Um, but also we could only pick 64 movies and there are a lot of good sports movies. So this is true. So you should have a plenty of time to watch him here during the, this, uh, time of change in this country, but, uh, hopefully you'll get to watch a few of those, especially your favorites and go, uh, vote in the bracket at Oklahoman.com. But, uh, we're going to end it there. We'll be back, like I said, hopefully next week for more uh, Sooners Extra Talk. The Sooners Extra Podcast, once again, presented by Zaxby's. You can check out our work every day at Oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage in here.